Brother Carson, on behalf of our church, we say thank you for all that you do every day. And we are delighted that you are here at the First Pentecostal Church. Would you make him feel welcome right now? Brother Josh Carson from St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, let's magnify the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give praise to the name of Jesus. We magnify you, Lord. God. Well, it feels good in the house of the Lord. If you're a visitor, I'm a visitor too. I may be a little more normal or used to this, not normal. Not, this is normal to me, this behavior. To some of you, if you're a visitor, you may think these people are crazy. People jumping around, running aisles. I'm going to break this down, okay? Bunch of people in this room were on their way to hell. And they found out about it. And God has reached into their life and saved their soul. And when you find out about that, you don't have to worship Him like I worship. Can we just agree on that? Everybody worships God a little different. Not everybody might run aisles and everybody might not dance. But when you find out that He loved you enough to die for you and save you... You do a little something. You just let him know I'm thankful. Woo! If it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> My. And so we thank God for what he's done for us. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you ought to be thankful. You ever do something good for somebody and they don't say thank you? Come on, mama. You whip that boy. It's good to give God thanks. Turning your attention to 1 Kings chapter 5, I give my great honor to this host ministry, to the Myers, these wonderful people, allowing me the opportunity and privilege to be here. I would say again to the visitors, if you're here and you don't like my preaching, you come back when Pastor Myers is preaching. You'll love his preaching. I'm just a young, rambunctious. <laughs> I'll be somewhere else telling that same story to some other people. <laughs> First Kings chapter 5, verse 5. Thank you to my armor bearers this week. To Brother Richie and... This great team, youth workers. Today I'm going to preach to the young people, but I'm really going to preach to the whole body. What I feel from the, the Lord, I'm not preaching specifically to young people. I did that Friday night. I did that Saturday. But I'm going to preach to the church today. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 5. If you got your Bible open and you're there, say, I'm there. If you're looking at the screen, say, I'm cheating. And the cheaters have it. And behold, I purpose to build a house under the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. Catch that. 
The promise of one generation being fulfilled at the hands of the next. Verse 38 of the 6th chapter, one chapter later. It reads, and in the 11th year, in the month bull, which is the 8th month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof. And according to all the fashion of it, so was he seven years in building it. Got a couple of construction that takes place at the hands of Solomon. The house of the Lord, and then later would come the house of Solomon. But I would tell you that it is critical that they built this house unto the house Unto the name of the Lord. It was critical, this building unto the name of the Lord. I, I want to preach to you for just a little while. While we've got the devastating news of some churches that have been affected. And we cannot really fathom in our finite mind why God would even allow such tragedy. We need a fresh appreciation for what we have. And I want to preach to you from this topic. The house tells a story. And it does. On multiple levels. Would you pray with me right now, Father? We pray that you would speak. That you would minister to every heart and every mind in this room. Help me to preach it like I'm feeling it in this service. I pray that I would be able to preach in such a way that it could be received by every man, woman, and young person in this room, and that you, that you might receive glory, that you might receive praise as a result. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, let everybody that has a voice say amen. 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 Now turn to your neighbor, smile so big they see every tooth you own legally. Come on, smile big enough they know whether or not you brushed your teeth after coffee. Tell them he's talking about a house today. Wasn't a big house by today's standards. No, not large or grand. 90 by 30 by 45 is what the text relays to us. Not overwhelming. Not significant, probably not in today's standards of town. You might even drive across the city to see. But all the eternal significance that this particular man-made building would actually have. Why was it so significant? Because building it was the will of God. And it would be the prophetic promise of one generation coming to pass at the hands of another. I would be delighted to remind us that we're not here on Friday night what has already been said this morning. If you could have seen these young people wail and pray and seek God on Friday night, I would assure you here today that the prophetic promise of our forefathers is very much coming to pass at the hands of this generation. And it's greater than buildings and structures and drywall and stone. There is a very particular ushering in of the presence of God. I was 
asked a couple of years ago to come and do an event. For those of you that have heard my title but don't understand exactly what it means, I'm privileged to travel around. I understand that the title opens up more opportunity than my ability, but I take advantage of it nonetheless. And I go into these different places internationally and I stand in podiums greater than myself alongside men and women greater than myself and I try to deliver gospel greater than myself. And I find it to be a high honor and I hold it in high esteem, this great calling of God. But it was a unique opportunity a couple of years ago that I received and that was to travel back to the place of my childhood, a small, small place in southern Illinois, and to preach a sectional youth revival. This sectional youth revival is an event that was being held in the church, uh, the city of the church where I grew up. They had built a new building in this metropolitan area of Dongola, Illinois. Now, most of you, along with 99% of North America's population, have never heard of Dongola, Illinois. And there's a reason. There are in this large area 800 people which inhabit this. I, uh, I was excited, though, to be able to be called back. There's something nostalgic, isn't there, about going back to the place where you were from, at least in many cases. And... My grandmother still lives in a town about 30 miles north of there, and so I traveled, I was in a vehicle, I drove down 57 South that cuts through the center of Illinois, and I, I came down from Marion, and I came to Dongola, which is there in southern Illinois, and the service kind of like the service that took place here on Friday night, the one here started at 8, that one there was going to start at 7.30. And I got there about an hour early, and, and i got to confess, I, I, I was not going early for prayer at the church. I had already prayed. I felt confident what I was going to speak. But I wanted to go early for a different reason. I, I wanted to stroll down memory lane. And so I got off at the Dongola exit. When there's 800 people, there's only one exit to the town. And I, I got off at the Dongola exit and I took it down and I went past where the old church had been and I looked at that grassy field that the new grass had been sown. And, and I looked up at the hill where the beautiful, and really probably the most beautiful building in the county was setting. And, and I, I didn't stop though, I drove on by. And I, I, I went down to what I find humor now is called Main Street. It could just be called the street. And I came to the stop sign and I turned right and I went across what every small town needs. I went across the railroad tracks. And there on the left hand side I saw the uh, grocery store slash video store slash feed store slash anything you need to get unless you got to go to town store. If you grew up in a small town you know what I'm talking about. I feel a witness in the house. I looked at that store and thought about how we used to we used to go and sneak and rip VHS tapes of WWF wrestling. Mm. 
But I didn't stop at the store. I wasn't getting anything. I looked up to the right where Justin's house was as a kid. No one from the family lived there anymore. But I have great memories of jumping over that rail and swimming in the backyard. But I, I just turned left in my truck and I went down uh, that old country road. And there on the right-hand side, about a mile down, was what's known as Dongola Lake. Now to you here in Florida, that would be humorous that we call it a lake. But when you're in a town of 800, that's a lake. And uh, you could catch some catfish or some bluegill. And, and uh, I looked at the lake, and on the other side, there's Eddie's house where we spent so many deer seasons. And, and I looked at it, but I wasn't coming for the lake, and I didn't come for Eddie's house. I just kept on driving. About two more miles down the road on the right-hand side is when I finally came to the destination for which I had driven to the store, this city early, Elder. I, I came and there it was on the right-hand side of the road. It was an old white farmhouse. There across the street was an old pond that I knew held catfish because we would jug fish them when we were kids. And I pulled into the little gravel turnaround, and we were in southern Illinois, so I, I sat there long enough making sure nobody came out with a shotgun. But after I recognized there wasn't a stir in the house, I, I just began to look across the lawn, and I began to stare at that house. It was the house where I had spent some of the greatest days of my childhood, and if you would, with me, walk down the memory banks of your own mind you could think to some of those memories that would be held in your mind to those childhood homes so imagine with me if you will I never turned the engine off of my truck I never actually opened the door but in my mind I swung it wide open and I ran and by the time that I had got from my truck to the back door of that old farmhouse I was a little kid again I ran in that back door, I swung it open, and there in that outside kind of, it's a room, but it's not really, there's no insulation or anything, it's just kind of a breezeway room. There was that old glued down green carpet that's been here since Methuselah. And I swung my, my, my back door open and I walked in and when I walked in I was standing there in the kitchen as a little kid again. I was, I was there and in my mind immediately I was looking over the stove and, and I was remembering the day that my mom had let me sleep through a family fish fry. Yeah, I felt that. I remember waking up, all of our family was coming over, and that's a big thing in southern Illinois, and maybe it's a big thing here, but they would all bring the fish, and there would be a fish fry, and they would fry it up, and, and they would go, and they would make homemade ice cream, and churn that. I woke up, and I, I walked into that kitchen. I've got such a vivid memory of a little kid. I walked in, and nobody was there, and and I thought maybe at first I thought I had woke up early and I said when's everybody coming about that time I saw a little scrap of fish that's right the devil is a liar <laughs> laid in the laid in the pan I said mom where is everybody her words were baby you were so tired I let you sleep Nearly 30 years later, I vividly remember throwing my head back and saying, Mom, you never let a man sleep through a fish fry. 
Amen? And I, I thought I'll at least find some solace in the ice cream. Where is the ice cream? Oh, oh babe, the ice, the ice cream's gone. It was a moment for which counseling would not have been a bad idea. Stood there frozen in that memory for a moment and I had to forgive my mom in my mind and I ran through the kitchen and looked in towards their room where it was and I, I went and I ran because I wanted to run up to my room. And when I started to run up to my room, I, I stopped and I paused and I grabbed that old black thing off the wall in my mind and, I, and it went... Some of y'all remember those old phones. You could make a cup of coffee in between the time that it'd get back from zero. I ran up the stairs, had a cord so long, you know. I ran upstairs and, and even in my memory, I was scared to go into my brother's room on the left. Always got the bigger room. He's older. I heard that my whole life. But I ran into the right, which is where my room was, and I, I got down under the bed. I'm just folding these old folders in my mind. I'm, I'm blowing the dust off of them, and I'm, I'm looking through these childhood memories, you know. I, I'm thinking through it. I, I got under the bed. Where the, I went through this season, y'all, where I was convinced that I was a superhero. I called myself Bat Boy. How many of you men, you ever, took the, you, you ever took the towel and you put it around your neck and you did the... Come on, you lie, you fry. Some of you done it more recent than you'd like to admit. Yeah. I looked, I grabbed some of those old Legos I had turned into weapons in my mind. I ran back down the stairs. I, I glanced towards the left, toward the living room. And I, I ran out that back door. Here I am back on that old Methuselah carpet again. And I, there was a place there behind the house where you could access the roof. In my mind, I walked back up, climbed to that place where I had convinced myself as Bat Boy that I could fly. And then I found myself in my mind on the ground in the place where I was convinced I could not. My power was limited. It was right around that time that in the rearview mirror brake lights were hit and it, it pulled me out of this journey that I had walked down through in my mind and, and somebody coming by probably they just didn't recognize my truck and, and I, I was kind of startled a little bit. They kept on driving and I, I begin to think to myself, I wonder how many people have driven by while I've been sitting here in this old turnaround. I wonder how many people have casually drove by because to them this is just a little old house, some old farmhouse on the side of the road. It's normal to them to just see another farmhouse. All oh, but to me, to me this house tells a story. To me this house tells the ups and the downs of childhood and a lot more good days than bad days for which I still this many years later with four children of my own give thanks unto God. 
And I begin to ponder and I begin to think and I begin to work through it as I begin to think about the house of God and what it is. I wonder on a busy road like the one that I have drove off of and pulled into this parking lot for the last three days. I wonder how many people have casually driven by since 8 a.m. this morning while we've been gathering in the 8.30 service and now since we've been in here for the 10.45 service. I wonder in just the last 30 or 45 minutes how many cars have casually driven by as if this is just another building, as if this is just another church, as if this is just another piece of property. But oh, if we could let them know the story. I said, oh, if we could let them know the story. This is not a house like any other house. In fact, this is not even a church like any other church. This is more than brick and mortar. This is more than drywall and paint. This is more than pulpits and pews. But this is the place that is the house of the Lord. And I thank God for every memory that I built in a childhood home. But I would trade in every memory I built in that house for the memories that have been built in the house of God. I would submit to you today if it were not for the house of the Lord, I would not be here today. If it wasn't for God's house, and if it wasn't for God's people, if it wasn't for God's man... I'm going to preach to somebody that will bear witness with me right now. My family would be lost without the church. My soul would be lost without this house. I would be on my way to hell if it wasn't for the house. But you ought to square your shoulders and remind the enemy of your soul. But this house tells the story. You wanted me to give up, but I'm still here. You tried to bust up my family, but we're still here here. You tried to destroy my mind, but I'm still here. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. And he might want me to believe this church does not hold significance, but I'm telling you, this house tells a story. Yes, we run aisles here. Yes, we dance here. Yes, we speak in tongues here. Yes, we sing here. We are the redeemed by love divine. You don't got to praise him like me and you don't have to praise him like your neighbor but you ought to praise him for the house of God. I wouldn't take nothing for the journey. I wouldn't trade nothing for the house. Faithfulness to the house is important. I said faithfulness to the house is important. Come on, mama. You wouldn't let just, you don't let your kids just come in your house. Listen, how many of you mama's kids ever come in the house? Kids come in the house and just sling their shoes. I got four kids ranging from six years old to high school. I love them kids, but those kids just run. Treat the house a certain way. And here's the deal. 
You may even get real comfortable in your house, but you go to someone else's house. Right? You act different. Act different. You go to your house, you have a big hole in the toe of your sock. You don't care. Go to your neighbor's house, you actually look at your socks. We have to take our shoes off at their house. <laughs> right? Guys don't ever look at their socks. Something about this house. Maybe it's our lighting. No, 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 no. Our lighting's good, but that ain't it. Maybe it's, maybe it's the size of our sanctuary. No, that's awesome, but that ain't, that ain't it. What is, what is it about this house? I wonder if they were asking Solomon that. Is this, is this building project really that important? It was to my daddy. I, I feel something here. It, it, was, it was to my father. God spoke to my father in his time. See, this is the thing. We're, we're not only in a place right now. We're, we're, we are perfectly positioned. And I think it's perplexing the enemy because we're, we're perfectly positioned in a place where we're not only having multicultural revival, we're having multi-generational revival. I don't know that we've ever been in such a unique position. I've had elders in the last couple of weeks that have talked to me about where we were 30 years ago and 20 years ago and even 10 years ago. They said, we've never been here where multicultural and multi-generational revival is all lined up at the same time. I would submit to you, David would have loved to build that building. But one man had to dream. And another generation had to build. Let me give this commitment before I go on. Elder, what your generation prophesied, I purpose to build. From one generation to the next generation to the next generation. The unique thing that's happening in the church right now is we are seeing generations below that are fulfilling the prophetic promises of generations before. Because when you can trust the generation before, as the Word of God, you don't need a fresh vision of what you're supposed to build. I can tell you right now, October of 2018, I don't need a fresh revelation of the church I'm supposed to build, or the doctrine that I'm supposed to preach, or the revival that I'm supposed to proclaim. I understand it to be line upon line, and precept upon precept. The energy that the previous generation might not have anymore. Our generation is rising up and saying we will build it unto the name and unto the purpose and unto the glory of the Lord.
And that's exactly what was happening at the hands of Solomon. Commissioning men. They have to choose out Sidonians to fall the trees. You know, there's people that are skilled. You didn't even know what I was preaching about this morning when you were talking to me about the hurricanes and you said, you know, not just anybody can cut those trees down. And I thought, I'm a, I know. I don't know anything about cutting a tree down, but there were some Sidonians in the Bible. They were skilled labor in being able to fall these trees. You can read in your Bible and we won't take the time, but what the cedars of Lebanon represent, their strength and their majesty and what they hold. And when I was reading through this in the construction of, the, of this, what I would consider somewhat small temple, it doesn't seem that ornate. Why, 30,000 men just to fall these trees and to, and to transport them. And to work. It's, not, it's one thing to cut it down. It's another thing to get it to the right place. 30,000 men and while I'm reading through scripture because I'm a male it seems um, and the creativity may be in my mind I gotta, I gotta paint the mental picture for the practicality and the application of scripture and so on my mind all I could see was the riddled hillside the stumps of these, le- the, 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 these cedars of Lebanon and I, I pray and say God it was so beauty and the majesty of it and it was as if the Lord nudged me and said if you're ever going to build my kingdom part of yours will come down 30,000 men, Sidonians to cut the trees. Then there's 80,000 that are commissioned to cut stone. 70,000 that are commissioned to carry stone. Imagine if that's your two job opportunities. Would you like to cut stone or carry stone? Just, can you say them again? Would you like to cut stone or would you like to carry stone? All the options. There were, and I, blue, I grew up in a blue-collar family, so I, I, can, I can just tease about this a lot. My dad was a foreman a lot. There were 3,600 guys commissioned to be the foreman of the project. If I get to choose, I want to be them. I want to be the foreman. I want to be the guy. I, use your legs. <laughs> lift, lift with your legs. Look at him trying to live with his back. <laughs> cut that stone. I would cut that stone. And the guy's over here cutting the stone like, yeah, I bet you would cut the stone. I'd like to cut you right now. Talk about cut the stone. Lift with my legs. I'd like to lift you into the river. You know? <laughs> so let's talk about this. We got all of our math whizzes here. 80,000 plus 70,000 is... Carry the two, take off your shoe. Hundred and what? Hundred fifty thousand. Now add thirty thousand more. Hundred fifty thousand plus thirty thousand is hundred eighty thousand plus three thousand six hundred is. You win the prize. Hundred eighty three thousand six hundred. The prize is me looking at you and saying you win the prize. Seven or eight years. Hundred eighty three thousand plus. How do you keep them all working towards the same thing? The average church in North America is 70. 183,000? Because they just kept every day. Here's exactly what God wants us to do. Here's exactly what God... Maybe we could deviate from the blueprints a little bit. No, 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 no. 
Here's exactly. I don't know if this blood and sweat and these tears, I don't know. Exactly according to the... Can you imagine cutting stone with no power tools? I got any blue-collar guys in a room right now, any construction, anybody like that, anybody here? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not. I'm a wannabe blue-collar guy because I grew up in a blue-collar family. I'm a wannabe. I got stuff in my garage. I don't even know how it works. I've done some remodeling. Now, it's not like I don't know. I just changed some plumbing. I've floated some drywall. I know how to do some of it. But I like stuff like that. I like stuff that runs on gasoline. And oil, right? You know what I'm... Hmm, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you men and some of you women even. I don't want to be equal rights here. So I'm the kind of guy that when I go to Home Depot, I want to wear a tape measure. Park in the contractor parking. True story. 90 percent of the time, I carry a cup of coffee in. I want I want to look like I'm a foreman. I can't imagine being a part of the hundred and fifty that's cutting and carrying stone, no power tools, sharpening stuff, trying to grind it out, not even building it on site because they referenced it so much, picking it up and carrying it. Amazing probably what happened physically to some of those men over a period of time. I'd love to see some before and after shots. Don't need the keto diet when you got the building diet. <laughs> what are you on? What kind of workout regimen are you on? I'm on the broke and carrying block diet. Was it really all worth it for 90 by 30 by 40? Got to be honest with you, Pastor Myers. Some guys from my generation have said, is it really worth it to fulfill it the way that the fathers dreamed it? Is it really necessary to stand for that in this generation? The world is not the same place anymore. I know that the fathers heard from God a certain way, but do you really think God would be upset if we deviated from the blueprints a little bit? Do you, do you really think it would matter if we maybe we could just cut it down to 70? It wouldn't take as many years. We, we could just turn a corner here. And, and I know that we're supposed to put block, but I I found some sandstone that I think would look just about the same. It wouldn't be near as tiresome. It wouldn't hurt our backs. It wouldn't pull at us. Solomon, what if you would just let... And Solomon just... Why does it matter? I'm going to tell you why it matters. We are given the descriptives of why every day was worth it. And why every long, sorrowful, heart, heartbreaking, and back-aching day was worth it. Only two chapters later, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, they read like this. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, they finished the construction. Yeah, it took them seven years. It's got, it's got 
about eight years nearly of building it and they finally finished it and they stood back and looked and, and some people were still asking do you really think it's worth it and all of a sudden it came to pass after they've got the structure and they bring the ark of God and they put the presence of God the ark of God into its place that the cloud filled the house so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord can I tell you something on this Sunday morning without the glory of God none of this matters none of this building matters none of these lights matter none of these instruments matter but if we get the glory of God to fill this house every dollar we put into it every prayer we prayed every long mile we've journeyed every heartbreaking day and every backbreaking toil will have been worth it if the glory of God will fill the house and I got good news for you this is a house where the glory fills it's one thing to sing about it's another thing to experience it This, this ain't just any house, Bubba. I'm in a lot of these houses. This ain't just any house. If this is just another house to you, you wouldn't feel so passionate about being here every Sunday. Come on. People invite you to do something else on Sunday. Why don't you go to the lake with me? And you know, you got that little part of your flesh that's like, why don't I go to the lake? And then you hear your mama or your grandma's voice from when you were a kid. We don't miss church for anything. Anybody remember some of that, some of those conversations? Now for a bunch of you, you understand this ain't maybe the house you grew up in. This ain't the church. But glory be to God, it's the house you get together in now. You ever walk into this building and just, even if you were here a lot, you just kind of walk in and you're like, look what the Lord. Hmm. Look what the Lord has. Mm. I got to tell you, I, I, I preached in places. Pastor Myers, I know you evangelized for a period of years. I preached in some places that would have given appendages to have a building like this. One of the greatest revivals I ever had in my life was in an old liquor store that they gutted out and started having home mission services. <laughs> my God. It's not as much about the drywall and the paint as it is what the place represents. Woo! Now, let, 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 me, let me say it like this. Some of y'all know that without this place, you'd be a mess. Some of you are a mess even though. Come on! Man, I feel a preach on me right now. You know if it wasn't for the church, some of you'd be in the grave already. Some of you'd be in a jail cell right now if it wasn't for the church. Some of y'all need to get a little old sister, little old excuse me for a moment because I know I got to give him praise. I, I wouldn't even be alive. I, I wouldn't even be drawing breath. I, I wouldn't be, 
I wouldn't be alive much less in the church but this house tells the story of the fact that he picked me up and it tells the story of the fact that he turned me around come on some of y'all know you'd have been divorced 15 years ago you'd have lost your mind 10 years ago but this house tells the story I've been redeemed I've been saved why don't you throw your hands towards heaven and give God thanks for the house come on I'm talking about multi-generational praise and come on the house of God come on you'd have lost your marriage if it wasn't for this house you'd have lost your mind if it wasn't for the house I can't get away from that right there I, I feel a little praise on me right now the house the house When I was unfaithful, the house stayed true. And when I was unfaithful, the glory of God kept filling. Do we dedicate babies in this house? We we do that here? We carry babies down to the front. You bring them right down here. Is that what you do here? Where do you you, bring our babies, right? I'm talking to some of you mamas that had them dedicated in another building and they're not living for God right now. You hear? You walked them to this altar. Every step of their life, every place they go, when the enemy comes in like a flood, raise up a standard. I'm going to take some worry. And I'm going to take some lies of the enemy off of some of you right now. When you gave them to God, you took them out of your hands. And some people in this room, it was in the 830 service and it's in this one right now. Some mamas in this room that you have been carrying such worry. Some daddies that have been carrying around such pain because your children are not living for God. I want to tell you, you need to continue to pray like John said. John said, no man cometh to the Father except that the Spirit draws him. You need to pray that they'd start having flashback memories about the story that the house tells that their mind would be flooded I know they've got some negative memories but you need to ask God to shut that folder and put it through the shredder and open up those folders of them remembering being a kid and running and laying in an altar and asking God that drugs is not too strong for God alcohol is not too strong I don't care what their addiction is I believe in the power of prayer and in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ and if I know one thing about this house I know that this is a house that tells the story of the name that there is one God and there is one father of all who is above all and through all and in all I want you to lift your hands with me right now holy hands lifted to God and I want you to begin to pray with me right now let there be memory banks flooded at this day let them be flooded I don't know that we ever pray this way but we need to send the good memories into their mind every prodigal that's outside of the house of the Lord 
release the intercessors right now. feel this right now somebody that feels desperate in your spirit I want you to run out of your I want you to just step out run out of your pew and run to the front and say God I'm releasing good memories into their mind I'm releasing a flood of memories and the story that is told by the house I'm releasing it into their spirit I'm praying those prayers come on the Bible says that those prayers of the saint they rise up as those odors before the throne God let them be sent back into the hearts and into the minds of our prodigals young people I want you to pray for some young person that ought to be here moms and dads I want you to pray for some young person or some sister or some child come on grandparents I want you to pray with me that the dreams of the previous generation would not become a substitute building program I don't want to do anything different but see the multicultural and multi-generational revival that was prophesied Side to this generation. Pia Ramakata Yaradaraboya. Come on, lift your voice before. If you're a visitor here, you're invited to experience this right now. If you would be willing to lift your hands and lift your voice and simply begin to tell God whatever you have for me, I want it. Because I want to let you in on a little secret. We built this house for you. We built this building for you. We prayed over you before you ever showed up. We said, God, send us people. Send us people. That we'll be able to hear that you love them and that you care for them and that you have a plan for them. Come on, there's powerful prayer going on right now. I feel challenged in the Holy Ghost to tell you to make it very specific. I want you to start saying their name out loud. You're praying but not being specific enough to call their name. I want you to begin to say their name and I want you to pray it. Say their name and say, God, send them the memory of the house. God, send them the memory of the house. And let it be a memory that draws them. The kind of memory that makes them remember the good... Come on, we can't leave this for a second. This is powerful. 
I want you to get a picture of them walking in here next Sunday. My God, I believe some of them are going to show up tonight. They didn't even come to Sunday night service when they were coming. But some of them are just going to walk into service tonight. Come on, begin to say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody hear me right now. Hear me right now. Listen to what I'm relaying to you. Accept what I'm relaying right now. Even if you are not naturally demonstrative. If you are not naturally, outwardly expressive, there is a charge from the Holy Ghost in this moment. My God. We are about to, in a community effort of this church, in one accord, begin to shout the name of Jesus Christ. When I give you the instruction, we're going to begin to shout it together. The power will come from your agreement with the name that is above every name. It is not because I'm preaching. It is not because it's the right Sunday. It's because we're in a place where the Holy Ghost has brought something very unique together. And if we'll get in agreement with that right now, I believe in homes all over the community. In fact, I feel it all over. It's not just even in this state. Some of you got babies in other states that it's keeping you up. I know they might be 30, 40 years old, but you still lay awake at night with warm tears dripping down off of your cheeks onto a cool pillow because you are tortured by where they're at in their life. But I feel a seismic shift in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm not after your emotions. If you think I'm trying to mess with your emotions, I'm a father of four bound by the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. I am constrained in this moment. We didn't do this in the first service. I'm constrained in the Holy Ghost for this moment right now. Throw your hands towards heaven with me right now. Easiest way I know to do it is when I, sh when I count to three, I want you to just begin to shout the name of Jesus over and over. And if you're passive, I want you to get aggressive. And if you're normally quiet, I want you to lift your voice anyway. And if you're going to sign it, I want you to sign it with all the gusto in your heart. I want everybody, whether you're watching or listening online or live in this building, I want you right now on the count of three to begin to speak the name of Jesus and and when you do, I want you to see a rush of the Holy Ghost move into the house of whoever you're praying. Come on, right now. In the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Shout Jesus. Come on. Shout.
Jesus, Jesus, ah, Jesus. Over and over and over, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is powerful, powerful, powerful. Jesus. Unto the glory. Unto the glory of you just link up with somebody come on everybody find somebody I feel like for some of you this is uncomfortable but I charge you in the Holy Ghost find somebody find somebody come on let the church be the church right now we are in agreement one with another we are in agreement one with another Jesus Jesus, 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 Jesus. 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 Jesus, Jesus. Come 
on, somebody become a conduit of faith. Whoever you're linked up with, I believe. I believe. I, I believe. I believe. I believe. Jesus, Jesus. Woo! Jesus. Jesus. Come on, if you feel led, lay hands on somebody else and say, Jesus. 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, Jesus. This. Woo! Throw your hands towards heaven all over the building. Here's what I want you to pray specifically right now as we conclude. And I'll step out of the way. I want you to pray, God, deposit this in my spirit. Because while they were thankful for the building... By the time we get to the New Testament and the preacher killer turned preacher, by the time Saul becomes Paul, they had turned the building into something it was not meant to be. And while the building still had great purpose, Paul had to look at them and say, What? Don't you know that even your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? We need this building. But when you leave this building, you don't leave His glory. Because while I'm thankful that this house tells a story, everybody you work with ought to know this house tells a story. Even if you're the only one in your family living for God, everybody ought to know this house. Don't be intimidated by the fact that you don't go with them to happy hour. This house tells you don't talk like them, drink like them, act like them, get caught up in nonsense, post ignorance on Facebook like them. 
post pictures on Instagram that ain't becoming like them? Because you ain't like them. This house tells a story. Tells a story of the glory of God. Our concluding prayer is for a deposit of this to be in us. And by the time we walk into our homes, that the glory of God. When I release you to this prayer, I'm going to surrender the mic and walk away. But I wish some parents and some young people, when you go to pray in the deposit of this, I wish you'd just mentally walk through the hallways of your home and begin to plead the blood and speak glory into the living room and into the kitchen and into every bed. Moms and dads, hear me right now. I thank God you hear each other talk in tongues in church, but you ought to hear each other in the Holy Ghost in your house. Thank God for the glory of this house, but put glory in my residence. Lift your hands with me right now and pray that the glory would be deposited into you. Come on, if you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to pray in it. But I want you to walk into the house that you're going to be in this afternoon mentally right now. Go ahead, walk up and down the hallways. Walk up and down through the corridor. Walk into the basement. Come on, get through the breezeway. Go a little farther in. Walk into the bedroom of your child in your mind. Walk into the study in the den. Come on, walk into the family room. Let every square inch of the house tell the story of the fact that your glory is on display in our lives. Listen, I, I don't want to be out of I don't want to be out of place. I know I'm out of time. I know we've taken a long time here, but I want every mother or father that's been overwhelmed in the last in the last month or so, you have been overwhelmed because of what's come against your home. I want you to throw your hands real high right now. Look how many hands in this house. Come on, hands lifted. I want everybody to turn. If you're willing, if you've got to leave, go ahead. You, you can. But if you're willing, I want you to find somebody with their hands up right now. we got them all the way in the back, so some of y'all got to turn and go find some folks. If you're in a seat, I want you to go find somebody with their hands up. Come on, I charge you in the Holy Ghost. Find somebody with their hands up right now and let the church... All the way, this sweet sister in the back, I want somebody to get to her right now. Y'all look at me. Turn and find her right now. Go find everybody. Go find somebody with their hands up. Right here, hey, hey, right here. By the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name Jesus, I speak emotional healing and I speak the glory of God into this situation. I pray against the overwhelming battle you've been facing in your mind. I pray against the torment in your spirit. And I pray that a fresh wind from heaven would come and find you.